Hello and welcome back to The Inner Entrepreneur. I'm the co-host, Brandon Ward, and today's episode is going to be continuing our conversation around burnout, but in this episode, we're going to be talking about steps you can take to remedy. So last episode, we discussed the 10 levels of burnout or that burnout scale from 1 to 10, which ideally you can use to gain insight into where you may be in terms of your burnout levels or approaching burnout. And then depending on where you fall in that scale, today's episode will help regarding actions and steps that you can take to remedy burnout or prevent burnout from happening in the future. There's a lot of interesting action items that we have in today's episode that I want you to consider. So as you're going through the episode, jot down things that resonate with you. If there are specific items that make sense to you or hit deeper, then take note of them and start applying them. The things and actions and conversations that we have in this show are meant to get you thinking and viewing your life and entrepreneurship in a different way, learning to nurture yourself from an inner perspective. But none of this will matter if you don't take action out of the things that we talk about. So if there are things that resonate with you, I highly encourage you to note them down and then start applying them in your life to see what difference they can make. Because all of this, all great insight and learning means really nothing unless we take action around what we're learning. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. Welcome to The Inner Entrepreneur, a place where soul meets strategy and passion meets profit. Success in business is about more than mastering the external. It's an internal game. Ready to play? Hello, Paul. Welcome back. Good morning, Brandon. Good afternoon to you on the yeah. different parts of the globe here. It's morning time for me, afternoon for you. That's it. It's pretty wild, the world we live in. You and I are podcasting together in different parts of the world. <laughs> isn't it great fun, though? Isn't it a great thing to do, isn't it? I love it, man. I love it. You roll back 10 many years and the, the, the notion of us do, of having met, of having, and doing this just would be inconceivable, but, and now it's, now it's easy. Just like everyday, everyday kind of life. It's wild. It's very it's, cool. It's actually this well, well, listen, I'm excited. We got, I know we've got, well, this is part two, at least yeah. as we think now related to burnout and where we, so we're going to continue our conversation from the last episode, which focused in on the signs of burnout, what burnout is. So we're going to, before we jump into the, which is going to focus on the steps to remedying burnout, yeah. we're going to do a little refresher on what we talked about last week and then dive into the new stuff this week. So you want to give us a little refresher from last week? We talked about 10 kind of categories. Just slot something in before that if I can. Yeah. And um, this conversation emerged out of us having a, having a discussion about the 95%. Why 95% of businesses fail, of new businesses fail? And, and what gets you into the 5%, 5 And then we brought that down to saying, well, it's probably around two things a lack of business skills, and the owner just bur burning out. And if you Google it, you'll get all these things, cash flow management, but, but there's business skills. So it came down to, well, the, 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 the owner doesn't have the skills, and therefore the owner doesn't burn out. You would go, well, why doesn't the owner has, doesn't have the skills? Because the owner is a plumber. He's a chiropractor. He's a web designer. He's a builder. He's a technician of some sort. And he builds a great business, busy, busy, busy. And now he needs to move into something, something else. And the default thinking is, if I get better with what I'm doing, that will shift me. And that's false because you need to learn a different skill. And that, that's where I think people trip up. They're not, they're not aware of this. So the question might arise. I just thought this. Well, people think well, it, if it fundamentally comes down to business skills, why are you talking about burnout and not just getting straight to the business skills? And the reason I want to talk about burnout first is very, very simple. It's because um, if you have business skills, but you don't recognize the symptoms of burnout and you don't know how to deal with it, then you're heading down a dangerous road. Because at some stage, even with your business skills in an early stage business, at some stage, you're going to come across a challenge. You're still you're going to meet the overwhelm, meet the overwork, et cetera, et cetera. So if you don't know how to deal with burnout, when it arrives, it can kill the business. It can derail you. And no matter how skillful, skillful you are in business, if you don't have the, the, the ability to understanding to deal with the burnout issue, 
you're going to be derailed and your business skills are going to be useless because you're a heap on the ground and your business skills are not, get, are not getting used. You put the reverse of that. If you don't have the business skills, because I probably didn't really have them when, when I got some burnout, but you manage to recognize and deal with burnout, you come out the other side. And when you come at the other side of burnout, now you're refreshed, you're renewed, you're clear thinking, and you go and search and you find the business skills because you now have the stadium behind. So my thinking is that if you can deal with burnout, you'll figure the rest out. But if you can't deal with burnout, you're not going out, you're not going anywhere. So I think it's really important that new business owners or business owners who are struggling realize that they need to address this burnout issue. That's does that make sense? Definitely. And I well, I think Paul, you and I share the the big piece together is this all starts in our minds. This all starts around the awareness to it, the perspective of these things. And to succeed in the long term in business and in life, yeah. you have to nail down the mental aspect of it. And that's so much of why we're talking about burnout because that's a mental gain. It's and and skills, the skills that we acquire to be a successful business leader or CEO are often mental skills too, right? Like they're, they're skills that we have to layer onto that. So I think that's, that's a great addition because ultimately the aim of our show is to help those listeners who have the desire to do so get into that exclusive 5% of business owners that we've talked about. I'm doing the, the quotes if you can't see me because the, the numbers are kind of, depending on the sources you go to, it can ebb and flow based on that. But roughly a five percentage of five percent is the successful business owners that last beyond 10 years and build basically 10, 10 million or more size businesses, even the but, three to five or, or more but, than that. But that's actually even zero, smaller 0.5 percent who will survive 10 years, 0.5 percent. The 95 percent is the business, so the five percent is the businesses who will survive after five years. But uh, and, and I think the, the so I think what what is a Coming out is different about, I think, about our conversations. It's what we're talking about is how do you become the guy, the lady, the person who can do that? How do you become that person? And part of that is learning the skills, but it's the second part of it. And the, the mindset, I think, is the first part of it. That's certainly my experience of it because skills tools are easily learned and readily available but becoming the person who can is a very very difficult thing and and we have discussed the fact that that we want to do a bit at some stage down the road do a piece in culture and as i've been working in that and just you know listing some of the abcds and that what's emerging from me is telling people about culture is the easy part how do you got how do you help person someone become the person who can create that culture? That's that's the magic sauce. So that's that I think that's the space for in these conversations. In these conversations, what's the magic sauce? What's the mindset? How do you become? How do you become the person who can? I love it, Paul. Well, the, the aim is hopefully by listening to the show, the content we create, we're going to be giving some tools and some direction and strategies that people can take yeah. and, and leverage in their own lives. Because at the end of the day, you and I have talked a lot about this too. You can read and think and listen and all that as much as you want. If you don't take some of this and apply it in your life, it's it's really kind of useless. It's like in a lot of you got to apply these things. So yeah. what I hope is that if, if I hope what people get out and listen to the conversations is realizing that it's not a lesson. It's an exploration because mm. what we are doing in our conversation and the reason why this is a conversation, not a lecture is because we are exploring this whole area of how do we come back, how do we become this person who can have that level of success. And it's an exploration. And I think I'm, I'm you know, whatever, decades in business, 35 years or something. I am still a newbie in that exploration. Like mm. I still feel like this is the exploration of this. Uh, how can I become the person who can do this? is as exciting to me as it ever was because it's a continuous exploration. It's, it's, it's a journey. And I hope that as people join us listening to this and travel along the journey that we will explore, because they will need to explore themselves. It's not a one, 
that they're not going to get the message and be done. They're going to need to explore. They're going to experience things in their lives and business, and they're going to need to reconnect to, 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 to you know, to go, well, how do I address that specific issue? And we'll all come back to how do I become the person who can do that? I love it. Well, let's get into it. Let's do that's it. A, that's a great start to the to the show. So we're going to talk. So first, let's let's just do a quick recap on yeah. the ten phases or stages of burnout as we kind of because basically they build on on one yes. another. And what and what we're looking at is if you can identify any of these in your life that are consistently there. Now we're gonna have days where you may have days like this, but what <laughs> we're talking about is a an undercurrent. <laughs> yeah. Of these components. So the first one is going to be you feel exhausted and overwhelmed. It's pretty straightforward. If you're consistently feeling exhausted and overwhelmed, burnout could be a key indicator. And Paul, if if there's anything in here you want to add to what I'm saying, obviously just jump in. The second one is you've got so much on your mind that you can't think straight. Like you're just, it's a cloudy brain. There's no thoughts coming through. It's just all over the place. Your performance has dropped off. It's another big thing. Like you're just not performing at the level you once were. You're not, you don't have the focus, the outcomes, et cetera. You might find you're making mistakes. You're doing silly things, uh, you know, and, and it's doubling your workload because you did, you made a simple mistake on a contract or creating something or whatever. And you go, I'm, I'm known, which adds more stress on, but you just know that you're just not quite as sharp as you were. That's a great point. I don't think people realize that when you're out of whack, if you're trying to push through things, you end up making mistakes. You end up creating a lot more work, which ends up compounding the burnout and all the, 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 you're in a deeper hole now. So it's, it's, it doesn't work to just keep doing more of the same things. Like it just, yeah. you're digging a deeper hole ultimately is what ends up happening. Yeah, absolutely. Because- I, an example, an example comes to mind of, um, and I hope my wife doesn't listen to this podcast. I'm really in trouble for telling this story. But, um, <laughs> We, we have a, a rental home property that a long-term tenant moved out of recently. And we decided we would get it completely vet, completely redone. And we, it was, we've had it for maybe 25 years. It was time, it was time to sell it and move and buy, and, and buy a property elsewhere. So, so, so that, that, that was good. So we went up and the flooring on it was not in good condition. The tenant had put down some tiles or something. Like that. What, it, it, it wasn't good. Now, now, how I handle these situations I mean, is, is I go on something and I go, what needs to be done? A, B, C, D. My wife says I'm the ultimate delegator, but that's what I do. I have a list of things need to be done. And I have a guy, I ring him and I go, you, can you straighten this property for me top to bottom? And he will. But my wife was getting someone in to do the flooring. There were the main things done to be done. But we turned up to the property and my wife decided that the flooring couldn't be, the new flooring couldn't go down until the old flooring came up. And I'm going, honey, that, that's a big job. Pulling, pulling, no, it has to come up, has to come up. So I'm going, look, let, let's find out if we need to come up before we start doing this work. But my, mind, my, my wife doesn't think that way. She's going, no, let's get straight in and get the work going. I don't do that sort of work and it doesn't need to be done. But at this stage, we're now up on the property and she's on, on her hands and knees digging and and I'm going, I, I got to get back for something there. But I said, I had better at least make it, I better at least do, some, do something here. So um, we did it for maybe, uh, let's say we did it for half an hour or something. Eventually said, like, this is a ridiculous waste of time. And we had to go. And I said, tell you what, let, let's, she said, oh, there's going to be like a day working in this floor. And it's going to be miserable work. And my hands are in bits. I'm going, okay, look, we have to go now. Would you please just contact the flooring guy and ask him, A, will he do it? I don't mind paying him. Or does it have to be done? Um, and of course, the next day she contacts him and says, and he goes, that's fine. No problem. I can just cover over that. So, so oh. yeah. So now, thankfully, we only spent about 30 minutes, a very reluctant 30 minutes that I know I never would have done. I would have just said, get, you know, fine. Does it need to come up? Yes or no? Get some reserve. But my wife lets get stuck in. That was a very simple thing. But, what, but I think sometimes, when your mind is busy, that's what you do. You jump straight into the doing, to the solving of the problem um, without setting back a little bit with a quieter mind and going, well, does it really need to be done? Do I need to do it? Or can I get someone else to do it? And a more 
camera strategic, and, and then you might find out, as we find out, it doesn't need to be done at all. No, we put the new phone down on top of it, problem solved. So it's a simple example of how we could have potentially made a mountain of work for, for ourselves. A day on our hands and knees scraping flooring that did not need to be done at all. So that's that's the busyness creates problems. And, and by the I know that because I've done it myself. We've all done that sort of stuff. Oh, so much. That's it. Well, and it's funny because the next one is actually you're working all hours, even when you're not working. That scenario is an example where you create problems for yourself because you're not stepping back and thinking. You're just in busy, buzzy mode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not thinking. And then what you end up doing, though, is you end up making things a lot worse. Usually, yeah. if you're not yeah. thinking about something, you're probably going to make it worse. <laughs> years ago, I used to call them, you know, busy fools. And, you know, busy fools running around, doing everything and making no progress. But that's, some people are just like that. But it's also, if that's not your nature, that can be a symptom of, of the activity can be a sim- symptom of, uh, of, of overwhelm, in my view. A hundred percent. And it's funny too, because if your nature is like that or the role you're in is conducive to that type of work, Mm -hmm. it's okay. But most people that are running businesses or trying to grow and scale a business, thinking and strategy is a huge part of that. So being busy bodies isn't always the the, the smartest thing, right? To pull back. Well, that's a really, really good point because that's the operator mindset. That's, That's the technician mindset. I am the, I am the plumber. I'm the builder, I'm the electrician or whatever. I need to go in. If it's going to get done, I need to do it. And that is the mindset. And that mindset tends to take on more and more because the view is if it's going to get done, I'm going to have to do it. And that mindset, if you want to run a business as an owner, then that mindset needs to change. It's a very, very difficult mindset to change because when you're in that mindset, you can't see that you're in that mindset. You just experience and do what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you take that busy, busy, busy approach to trying to grow a business, now you're just creating a monster and that monster will consume you. And that consume uh, it, it, that being consumed is what we call overwhelm. Yeah. Well, and it ends up turning you into number five, which is you're snappy, irritable, and you're treating people poorly, including yourself. Yes, <laughs> like that's because what you just described, Paul, is not a very balanced, fulfilled, yeah. healthy person either. And you're just kind yeah. of throwing that over everyone you care about. And so that leads into number six, which is everything seems negative. You see problems everywhere, which you see how the busy mind gets yeah. drawn. Everything becomes a nail, right? If you're a hammer, every you see everything as a nail. That's yeah. not that saying is real and it's problematic if you're in this phase or stage. And then number seven, your health is suffering. You're, you're not taking care of yourself. And, and let's be honest, Paul, that probably starts happening way earlier too, depending on how deep in these stages you may even be. Cause we're at seven right there, but your health may be suffering at three because you're just consumed by everything still, but you really start to, it becomes something you can't, argue like it becomes very noticeable that your health is suffering absolutely yeah the next one is you're not sleeping well which that's a miserable cycle to be in and all of us need our sleep maybe a little less or more than others but all of us need good quality sleep you're not going to fix anything without getting good quality sleep that's just it's it's a big time symptom of other problems i think agreed yep it's very true because you your busy mind just can't settle. I think that's the fundamental problem. It, it, well, it starts to take over your life. I think that's, the, and that's the the reason we have it in phases like this. The reason you mapped it out in phases and and it's, it's because it's a slippery slope because it's so easy to go from two of these to eight of these mm-hmm. in a very short period of time if you're not careful. Because, because one because takes over. that's what happens. They spin into the other. Yep, exactly, exactly. Well, then that number nine and 10 are are very much Nine is you feel like you can never switch off, which is ultimately what's happened. Yes. You can't sleep. It's your mind's always on. You're you're kind of caught in the the hurricane, if you will. And then last is you feel like something's gonna give, like something's gonna break. Like either in yourself or in your life or in your business and your family, like something's just you can it sense something's off. Yep. Yeah. yeah. 
So those are the those are the 10 phases of burnout that we walked through in last episode. We went into detail on each of those. So if you're depending on the number, if you notice that consistently in your life, any I mean, if you go beyond three or four of those consistently, I mean, I think even three or four, like if you're at three or four, you're 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 in a much better state to adjust and I think course correct. But if you're seven, eight, nine, ten of those, there's probably a lot of work in there you got to do within yourself, Paul, would you say? Yeah, I think so. And the reason we wanted to list them is because you don't always recognize them until they're put in front of you. And I think, I'm sure we both have that in personal experience that it's very easy to look at where someone else is and go, oh, they should see this, they should see that. And they're like, isn't it obvious? Um, But the elephant in the room is not just the elephant we don't talk about, it's the elephant we don't see. Uh, because we're not we're not aware of it and on on my journey through burnout i was i don't know if i ever realized that what was what happening until i'd come out the other side but i don't really know if i ever had a moment until the very end of going hold a sec buddy you're in trouble here yeah this is what's going on i don't think i was ever aware of that and i would hope that if someone else recognizes some of these indicators, symptoms, whatever you want to call them, they might go, hold a sec, I might need to think about this because I might be, as you say, if I have three plus of these, maybe I'm in a road that I don't want to be on. That's not good for me, my family, my business. And I think it's got to be a whole lot easier to start fixing it then because the prop. by the time you get to 10, the problem is a lot worse and you are debilitated. You're yeah. so you're in a much you're, you're in a bad situation. So that's kind of I think that's why we're spending so much time. It's really really important just for people to become aware of that. And and that's it, Paul. I think if we can reduce the people that reach ten, recognize it before then, half that point obviously would be ideal, or even less. Like mm-hmm. it's just you're going to feel a lot better. It's going to impact their life a lot better. I mean, just overall, it's going to be a better scenario. What you're describing is that you didn't catch this until you were literally maxed out at 10 and you felt like you're about to break. You know, you're you're in the midst of that. You feel like something's going to give. You can feel your life around you kind of come crumbling. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I mean, this drifts very nicely, I think, into us talking about the steps for dealing with this. Um, because the first step for, and, we, and we've listed five steps uh, to deal with burnout. And of course, these five steps are two things. They're when you're in that situation, these are five steps that we feel will help you ha- help you address it. But they're not just that. They're like, if you're unfit, get yourself to the gym. Oh, and by the way, stay going to the gym. You know, <laughs> it's not. We're, you know, you're going to get your fitness back in the next three months and you're done. No, it's like, this is how you get fitness back and now stay on a maintenance, maintenance program. So as I look through this, many of these steps are, are maintenance program. But when thinking about this, the first thing that came to mind was that you cannot fix a problem if you're not aware that the problem exists. Mm. And if you're not aware you're burning out, you're in overwhelm, then how can you hope to fix it? And by the nature of being in those mental states, you're on the, the nature of that business and craziness of your mind is that you don't have the space to step out and look back and go, I'm in trouble here, there's something going on. So the, the nature of the problem is that you don't see it, but mm. until you see it, you can't fix it. And, and Paul, you said something in our last episode uh, when you were talking about a monk or maybe when you were training in India, I think it may have been your, a, a teacher in India, where how awareness creates space or what's that uh, saying? Um, friend, I can't remember the, the guy's name, but what he said to, was that awareness is the enemy of habit. Because it creates space to actually see yeah. what's happening, right? That's the, that's what it is. And And to your point, that's why all this starts with, awareness you can't fix something that you don't know doesn't exist ignorance isn't bliss it's misery i love that you wrote that like that's 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 super true i mean it's it's dead on and because i mean 
we all know this. I think that's what's interesting too, Paul, is all of us have been in this state at some point in our life. We ebb and flow out of it. I mean, it's not like this stuff goes away. It's a practice, yeah. right? These are practices. Like you you called them maintenance routines. For me, it's it's really, these are things that you have to build as lifelong habits. That's the the work of it. And, and, but without it, it, it starts with recognition. And so you got to be aware, you call it the red zone here, which I love, and you have to do something about it. But this is where it gets more interesting too, is, is we lie to ourselves, trying to convince ourselves that it's temporary, that things will get better, that it's not really a problem, but you can't make it better until you get it get until you decide to make it better. And I think that's, I think this is a great leeway for you to kind of take over, Paul. I I think we lie to ourselves when other people present us with it. So when you get home late and your partner says, you know, you were supposed to be home for dinner at seven, we were doing this and and you explain away, or you're just, or you're home, but you're not present Mm. uh, elsewhere. And you explain it away then. And you explain it away to go, yeah, I, you know, hands up. Yeah, I admit I'm working too much and spending too much time in the office. But it's temporary because once we get this, this, and this sorted, then, you know, it's all, it's all going to be good. I just got to solve these three problems. The thing about it is, is that sometimes that's the case because we all enter phases of temporary crisis and something needs to be done. But mostly it's not mostly it's not the case. Mostly the case is that people are just in a way of behaving, in a way of living. And they and it never changes for people unless they become aware of it and unless they realize they have a problem here they need to fix. Um and so for me the awareness came. I knew I had a I, I knew I had a, a problem. And it's bizarre how far that went before I realized I had something to address. I mean, from sitting in my doctor's office going, you know, I, I think I have a problem with my heart. What's going on? He goes, no, it's absolutely fine. Uh, and he, did, he suggested some medication just to, you know, but he really said it's stress related. And I didn't take the medication, whatever he's recommending, because I, I thought, well, then I'm, then I'm ignoring whatever the real problem is. And it seems that it should have been evident what the problem was, but it, this is the this is the blindness. I, it, it was on them. I remember sitting at my desk one day, and maybe I've shared this story before. And my office in Dublin is about five ten minute drive from a local hospital. And I remember thinking, when the heart attack comes, because that's how stressed I was, and my heart was going crazy. Will the ambulance get to me in time to save my life? And I remember thinking thinking that. I was a young man in my early thirties. I'm thinking, will will it will it get here in time to save my life? And uh, it's crazy to get to, to get to that stage. So that was kind of the point I I reached. And then then I got a phone call um, from a friend of mine who said a group was going away to to spend this weekend in London to Tony Robbins uh, UPW. And I was so I just said yes, sounds great, let's do it. Maybe I knew I needed something. But again, I was so busy, I didn't know. So I had no idea really what I was going to attend. I was just going to go and do this weekend. And what I didn't realize was that on the Friday evening, there was a firewalk. Uh, I had no idea of this. So we, we arrived there in the morning. We do a kind of a morning seminar. And then we take a break for lunch. And when we come back, they start talking us through this firewalk. And I'm sitting here in the audience going, what the? Hold on. What is going on here? Because I'm going, because I, so I had no concept of, I hadn't looked up to, I had no idea this was coming up. And we're, and we're led up to a fire, to a firework that evening. And I just said, like, I go to, I accept it, I jump in and I will do this. I did the firewalk. Have you ever done a firewalk? No, I, you, I'm, I need to though, listening to you, uh, as we've talked, I'm like, I've got to do a firewalk, but I haven't. Well, I did it. And um, it, it was an amazing experience. I think, Two really useful things happened to me. One was that when you're standing in front of a line and it's, well, I'm going to say 12 feet long, I don't know. I think the colds are about 2,000 degrees. So they're red hot. You can see them glowing. And you have to walk across this. And it's terrifying. So to do that, and they spend hours training you to do it. But fundamentally to do that, 
you have to take your fear from here and drop it down to here. So you, you have to reduce the fear in your body and your mind so you can walk across the hot coals. If you don't do that, you won't do it. So that was the first thing I, I, I did. I came off the, uh, the cold. It was an incredible experience. I remember ringing my, my, my wife. Um, she thought I was high or something because I was so, I was just buzzing. So, um, box one ticked. My fear was taken from here and it was lowered down. Say, so if my fear, and at that stage, if you're very stressed, I mean, stress comes from fear, I was probably up at an eight or nine, and you bring it down to a very, very sub level of fear. And then the next day, you get to see where you get to do this exercise where you totally immerse yourself in where your life was. And I would, mine was miserable. I was very, I was very unhappy with, with a lot of things in life and um, very stressed. But the beauty was that um, because the fear had dropped so much, I was able to be completely honest with myself about that. So before that, I'm not going to be honest with myself because if you admit this problem, particularly if it's a business problem, a work problem, you've now a big challenge to face face down. And you well know this, Brandon, but you have a big challenge to face down because it's like, what do I do now? So but when you take your fear out, it was out of the way long enough for me to go, look straight in the eye and go, there's a major problem here. This, can, this cannot continue. And then I got to see that and then I got to do two exercises. One was, this will not change. This will compound. Uh, you're in your mid-30s or whatever, late-30s. This will compound for the next 10, 20, 40 years. And, and that's, it's a visualization exercise. So you're visualizing, you're experiencing, who will I be in five years' time? Who will I be in 10 years? What will I look like? What will I sound like? What will life be? How will my family react to me? Will my children have known me? All these sort of images are just crushing you you're in a room of thousands of people you can hear people crying and screaming it's a very emotional experience but and the intensity of it sounds crazy but it's actually great because it allows you to drop into that intensity and you see this light and you go this is 30 years time i'm in my mid-70s and i'm going i'm not this is not happening this is horrible i'm not getting there and it's an awful experience and then you're pulled back and then it, I can't remember, maybe it's late in the day or something. Or the next session is you're still in the same place where you start making small changes. Where could you be in six months' time, um, 12 months' time, three years' time? And once you get three years, five years, 10 years, you can drift into fantasy. So you can begin to imagine that almost anything could be different in five, 10, 15, and you create another, another life. So that was, it was in that moment that I became aware that I was completely burnt out and I had to do, I had to do something about it. Uh, but it took me to get to the very end of the road. And I really, really hope people don't have to get to the end of the road before they go. I have to do something, something about this. Well, it's interesting too, Paul, because for you, that scenario that got you to the firewalk was actually you running around like a frenzy, still just kind of saying yes to stuff, random, like you're kind of in this chaotic yeah. state. You yes. just said yes to it. And it was like an accident that actually ended up helping you, yes. even though yeah. you're in that state, because that state got you there. But what the second piece that I find interesting too is what helped unlock this was you directly engaging with your deep emotions. And I feel like that's a secret for us as humans is recognizing that engaging with our emotions directly head on facing your fears looking at the path you're on to where you could be when you're 70 like that's a deep fear kind of that's an, a really heavy emotional state but your willingness and courage to look at that to engage with it to explore it allowed you the opportunity to unlock a life that you did want to live which is the life that you've since created for yourself you've obviously you you know you kind of took the the right-handed path as opposed to the left-handed path on the fork but all that became from you having the courage to hit those emotions and really walk. I mean, firewalk, like it's interesting because you do the firewalk, but that like really what it does is it elevates all those emotions, right? That you activate and engage with. And I, I mean, you make a good point because I, I, that's exactly what happened. But I wonder what I, I eventually would, I suppose, but when would I have had the courage to confront those? 
if I hadn't had this experience where I was superhuman, where, where for it, where for a short period of time, I felt like, oh, I, I can create the life I want. I can, I can do anything. Um, and if it wasn't for that uh, really deep experience, would, would, would anything have changed? It's interesting. My brother was uh, did the same course with me. Now, he wasn't sitting he was somewhere in the other side of the room, I don't know. But we attended a weekend together. Uh, he didn't have the same experience at all. He did it. Yeah, it was cool. You know, he, he, he didn't have the same experience. So it, the event itself is just the event. It's who you are that comes to the event and what you bring to the event. And I had so much going on that it was, it was an opportunity for me to radically change my life, which I did. I think, but I, you're right. Ultimately, I had, to, I had to confront some, be very honest with myself, confront some deep emotions and address those and come out with a new person. If you, the person you are who has created your life, you want a different life. That same person can't create a different life for you. Something has to change. Something about how you think, how you perceive, what you believe, what you behave. They are the patterns that create your life. If they don't change, then nothing in your life is going to change. If I give you a sheet of music and you play the same notes every day, the song will always stay the same. If I want to hear a different song, I have to change some of the melody. I have to change some of the notes because you can't have a different tune without changing the notes. So you, that, you have to fundamentally change yourself. And, uh, and that's a very terrifying process. And maybe that's at the root of our whole conversation about how do you become that person? How do you change to be that person? And what you're saying is probably very accurate in that you're going to have to confront some deep stuff, some deep emotions. And that's rarely, a, it's a cathartic process, but it's really fun. Yeah, rarely, rarely. Well, and I think for you, Paul, it's interesting too, mentioning your brother, you guys were at the same event. You did the same firewalk. He didn't have this kind of transformational experience like you did. But now it doesn't mean he didn't have a good experience. He didn't learn yeah. things about himself. It was a different time in his life. Yeah, exactly. But that's, that's the, you're, the backdrop with which you are operating from was very different than your brothers. And yes. I imagine a lot of that is tied into that emotional state that you were both in. And so the fire, you know, it's because the firewalk, as you had mentioned it, you said you kind of be, have this superhuman experience, but that's the power of the firewalk is it, is it shows you, you can do these things that you don't yes. think or believe you can do that are insane walking on 2000 degree hot coals. So once but that that was like the lightning bolt into your mind in that moment that said wait i don't have to do this insanity for the next 40 years of my life i can change it because really it's switching your mind it's not that you don't have to climb a mountain you're actually just can i just view my life differently yes you know like why yeah. is that so hard it seems like climbing a mountain is easier but <laughs> i think because um Change can be terrifying. And so at the time, for me, admitting that I was in a horrible situation I didn't want to be in had big complications. Uh, I put on a lot of effort into this business. My family was entirely dependent on this business. I had other, from my, my original family, my parents, my siblings, uh, they were also involved in this business. And so effectively, I had this whole gathering of people dependent on me and uh, with an expectation of me, with a picture of how they saw me, of who I was. So for you to come out and go, I'm sorry, guys, I'm not that guy. I'm, I, I'm someone else. I got it. Like, that's extreme. For me, it was, it seems silly now, but to me, that was, an enormous challenge and i don't i don't think at the time or prior to that event i didn't have the courage to to even acknowledge that or even, or even admit that uh, what happened was when i saw the compounded effect of my behavior of thinking believing of living in that particular style that was creating the life i was living and we know everything 
compound. We discussed this in the last in the last episode. When you consider that that when you see the end result of that of that compounding, yeah. When you're trying, when I'm trying to convince my children in their twenties to invest, I'm go, I'm showing them figures. I'm showing them you'll be fifty years of age and you'll be a multimillionaire by doing this. That's exciting. So now you have whoa, that's really exciting. It gets them to invest. On the other, on the other side of that, when you show something ter- horrible on the other, that also gets the change. So I got to see the guy I would be as an old man, and that was and the and not only the guy I would be, but the life I would have lived. And I'm going to say the horrible life I would have lived, the life I would have wasted, and that was so painful for me to see that that's what I was creating, that that pain was greater than the pain of addressing the problem that I was in at the moment. That's what it comes down to. I knew I really, it was going to be painful to fix the situation I was in, but not as painful it was going to be to live that, to, to live this guy's life. I wasn't doing that anymore. So that's what, that's sometimes what it takes, the, uh, the, the realization that what you're creating is ultimately going to be a lot more problematic or bring you a lot more suffering than what you're experiencing right now hmm. you know it's interesting too paul with the because we're focused this is step one awareness we're talking about awareness right now but there's a lot that comes from this because as you were talking about your family the people that depend on you that's the burden and privilege of responsibility because the burden of it was also the thing that launched you forward you made a choice obviously yeah. a lot of people have that same burden responsibility and they choose the bottle, they choose drugs, they choose to run away from it. And, and that's how it's both a privilege and a burden in that we have the choice to make. But it propelled you forward, Paul, in a, in a lot of ways. And you made that decision. And I think, again, that ties in very well to awareness because being aware isn't just recognizing what is. It's also recognize the possibility of our choices and where we could go and and you became aware of two paths that you yes. had to choose. And I, I think that's like, so it's awareness, but then capturing the power of choice that we all hold. All of us hold these choices and we can literally take one path or the other and it can be completely different outcomes based on those single moments. That's why choice and awareness is so critical. I, I think you become aware that you are a creator, not a victim. Mm. you're you're creating your life um by every single thing you do every every thought you have leads to sensations and feelings and uh, and expression leads to what you do and it all is creating the life that you experience and and when you see that starkly in front of you not in some magical way but in a very practical way where you see if I continue to, I'm going to say live in this person's body because to some degree, that's what I was doing. I, I, if you want to call it my spirit, was living in a body that it didn't fit in. And so it was miserable and continually a cry for help to go stop doing this. And then one day you get not only stop doing this, but you go, this is where you end up and you go, Oh, I don't end. I don't end up there, uh, but it's difficult. It's painful, and this is why. Back to our conversation of how can I become the person who can succeed and who can do these things, and the answer seems to be somewhere in, well, you have to be become someone different, and if you if you if if you don't like the the life you're creating. Whether you have to become a person who can create a different life, what what needs to change, and often that change comes down to what am I afraid to confront, what am I afraid to admit uh, to myself, what am I afraid to stand up for and go, this is me, this is what I believe. It's, it's it, it is difficult. It sounds simple, but it's difficult for people. It really is. I I think the power in it is the simplicity of it, though. You know, it really is, but it ultimately yeah. comes down to that choice. Yes, and it's 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 why um, it's why some people 
avoid the choice altogether. Um, but when I say that, that's not a criticism because prior to that weekend, I wasn't aware on a, maybe I wasn't a subconscious level, but in the conscious level, I wasn't aware that the choice needs to be made. Mm. I, was in, I was within it. That was my life. This is what I was doing. I was building a business. I was raising a family. To all extents of purposes, this guy is a great, is, is, is a great life. And um, so uh, I wasn't aware prior to that that I was creating a lot of trouble for myself. And where I would be now if I hadn't if I hadn't become aware of that and fixed that problem, I don't know. But I feel certain that there are so many people in that mess right now. So many people. But not a conversation. How many dinner tables will you sit around for people to have this conversation? They're almost non-existent. Yeah, it's almost, I mean, it's still, as sad as it is, it's almost still mocked in a way relative to how important this is. Because to me, Paul, too, when I'm listening to you tell this, this story, it's not only the awareness of the challenges that you face and the life that you're living and the path that you're on, but also awareness to yourself and the life that you want to be living and the way that you need to be living your life in accordance with who you are. Because I think a lot of us have these ideas about what we think our life needs to be or what it should be based on all these external circumstances that don't reflect who we are from within ourselves, which is a reflection and awareness of who we are based on our values and the internal world that we live in. So it's, you have to line those things up. A lot of us though, that can be a lot of work. If we're, if our life is so out of line with who we actually are, and we're very far away from the life we want to be living, you and I both know that gap is the work that we have to do. And that work, that gap can be terrifying. And I think a lot of people turn away from it to your point, not like because they're bad people or they're not good, no. any of those things. It's just that is the internal mountain that we face. That's kind of the the, the spiritual awareness-based mountain that we all have to face. And it is a lot easier to just say, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to turn away from that and I'm just going to get lost in the world. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be unhappy. I'm going to share my misery with no, people. Or it says, I mean, I mean, someone doesn't actually say I'm going to ignore that. They do it, but they don't, they don't have that awareness. Mm -mm. I, they just do it. I, 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 you and I are, are fortunate to be part of the, the coaching pod that me one, me once a month now. And if you remember the conversation we had last month and at the end of it, I, I, one of us said, mate was me said, you know, where would you gather five? people that have this level of cut that have I mean we're all over the world from Copenhagen to South Carolina all <laughs> over the world like that and where would you have a group of people that can gather and have that level of honest conversation about what's growing going on in their lives and personal growth where would you have the conversation we'd have to go all over the globe to find five people who will have that have that conversation. So it's 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 not a dinner table conversation. People people don't hear about it. And I think probably one of the things I've said in that, in that group is that when you have this conversation about the person you need to become, uh, a lot of people will mock it and laugh it and laugh about it because people won't take, won't, won't take it seriously. The, the one thing, advantage I have now, unfortunately, is that when you have material success and when you live a lifestyle that most people, and a lifestyle I mean when you have the freedom, the financial freedom and the time freedom to live your life as you choose. That's a box everyone can see that's ticked. And it's something that 95% of people will envy or more because it's, it's something they aspire to. And when you've achieved that, then to some degree, I'm not saying people have to listen, but they can't cast it off. It's so weird as being rubbish talk. Because they can't deny that you've done something that's worked for you. And if you're going, most of what I've done that's worked that's got me here has been my personal growth work. And if they know you've achieved something that's out of what ordinary most people achieve, then they have to, it makes them pause to think a little bit about it. I, we, we said this in the early stage conversations. I, I, I never talk to people about what my income is. I never talk to people about what my net worth is. It's just, I don't, I'm Irish and by the way, it's just not something we talk about. Um, and I 
I don't like leveraging on the fact and goal, you know, I have wealth. I need these things. I don't like that. But sometimes I need to to attract someone's attention just to go, yes, I know I'm using this as a flag, so you might listen to me, but I want to talk about the real the real role of the real the, the real journey. Um and fundamentally that's the that's the how people become successful. Uh they have to a lot of it is in is inward work. You can't ignore it. It's why we're going to have a conversation with Bernard and skills and tools, because all the all the inward work is great. But if you sit in your couch meditating all day to manifest a Mercedes Benz outside, you're unlikely to open up one day and find it there unless you've called it unless you've called an Uber. <laughs> and yeah, which doesn't count. You call an Uber black. That doesn't count. Which, <laughs> which I'm sorry, <laughs> it doesn't count. It doesn't count. Yeah, we're not. Oh. But I think, but this is the thing. So, so you do need both. You do need both. And and I want us to find a balance in this conversation between the practical and the and, and the deep. Maybe that's what I want to do because one does not one does not survive with the, without the other. One doesn't survive happily without the other. We live in a material world, as Madonna thinks that we do. Back back in the eighties, she said. I think that was an eighties song. So it was one of yeah, her, you, one of her great. I was, yeah, I'm an 80s baby all day, but I definitely love love me some 80s. That is for sure. Well, you know, Paul, it's funny, though, because I think that really is what we're doing here. And yeah. at the end of the day, the your the success that you've created becomes validation for these ideas because we need that. But it is the power comes in living both like in more mindful, aware, compassionate ways of living combined with the materialistic world that we live in. And I think a lot of what we're discussing brings about that awareness to all this and the importance of these things. But really, in my mind, it's more of these are more meditations than they are. Here's how you do this. One, two, three, four, five. Like we're obviously talking about steps to manage yeah. burnout, but they're more meditations. I think things to to really sit on and think deeply on and reflect and allow these ideas to kind of seep into your, you know, as you're going through your day and you're listening, it really is about just allowing this stuff to kind of center into your being and, and how is it going to manifest in your life, whatever that may be. And I, and I, the word manifest, you mentioned it a second ago, it's kind of like, it can be kind of a little woo wooey, but like, but it's real, man. We are co-creators. You said it earlier. Yeah. I, I think the word manifest suggests that something appears in your life that you haven't uh, done anything to create. And that's rarely the case. You're, you're, you're a co-creator. You're a co-creator. Obviously, there's a lot going on in the world that you don't create, but you're a co-creator. You're, 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 you're part of this. Uh, I, I mean, you've, you, you've said that meditations before. I, I've said explorations, but it, you're right. It, 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 we need to go deep. We need to go deep on this because listening, we could have, you know, in our first steps, in the first 15 minutes, said, Here's the 10 ways to recognize it. Here's the five ways to fi fix it. Done. And someone gets out of the car, they parks or against their office. They have, what was it? I can't remember. They have learned nothing. I'm hoping because we have expanded these conversations and gone deep in these conversations that something will trigger. And, and particularly when you spoke about the fear and the emotions, I'm hoping that someone then, when something arises and it's a challenging situation, their business or whatever, that they will see emotions stirring. They will see fears coming up and they might just for a moment go, I probably need to look at these. Mm -hmm. I probably need to give these some time. And we both said that, and personally, that's really hard. It's not easy. So I, that's the hard work. Um, and I'm hoping that someone might just go, this feel like it could be hard. Oh, my God, it's my God, it's with rewarding. And that's that's the journey. That's why we will definitely talk about skills and tools. At some point, <laughs> when we get through this, gosh, you can't you, you can't use the skills and tools if you don't have some degree of personal of personal awareness. And and some of the greatest, some of the greatest, I, I, I talk about Keith Cunningham a lot because he's a great mentor to me. But and I've studied with him a lot, but he tells the story, very wealthy man, successful man. But he tells the story of his personal transformation. And his personal transformation is creating a business 
very big business, losing it all, destroying it, losing everything, his business, his family, losing everything, being at rock bottom and starting to build from the ground up again, going through a hippie phase, as he calls it. But what was he building? His first couple of years were building him, but getting to know himself, getting to express himself, getting to learn, getting to realize who was the arrogant ass mm-hmm. situation of being worth tens of millions and losing it all. Who was that arrogant asshole? Oh, it was me. It was me behaving in a particular way and, 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 and getting, you know, what led me to behave that way and getting beneath that and coming, emerging from that as a new person. And then he emerged from that and went on to become enormously successful as well and has become a great, a great teacher. Um, but any of those, if you listen to Tony Robbins, if you listen to John D. Martini, but any of these people who I consider to be great teachers, they all tell the personal story of growth. That's it's critical. It's it. Yeah. Well, Paul, it's, it's, it's interesting because the awareness piece ties into just what you were talking about with Keith. Early on in his success, his career, he had to learn what he wasn't. And that was the arrogant kind of self-centered. And I think that's something that we don't think about when we think about awareness is that a lot of times our earlier experiences are teaching us what we're not. And we don't realize that until we reflect on those things and say, wait, I actually, I don't want to live that way. I don't want to be that person. That's not how I want to treat my colleagues, my coworkers, my family, my friends. Like this is the way I want my success to be built. This is the way I want to treat others. But you don't get there until you're, kind of at the rock bottom and recognizing who you're not. And I think that for most people, the environment they're in is not helping them. When I say it's not, it's not educating them, that's a better word, because people aren't having these conversations. So, so I've had to get to rock, rock, rock bottom. You know, Keith Cunningham got through all of these people got to rock. I'm not putting myself in his league, but we all have to get to our personal rock bottom to to come at the other side. And what we know is that most people maybe never come at the other side. They just live life. It would have been very, very easy for me back in my mid-30s just to live that life. It would have been very easy, easy for me. I would have probably survived that I probably probably would have uh, become increasingly successful because I was working very hard on building a business and everyone looking outside on what they judge you on on the home you live in on the car you drive on whatever lifestyle you have it's a terrible way of judging success but it's how we have become to judge success and of course it's not success it's misery or it can be misery it, happy success is, is happiness to me. If you you wake up in the morning and you're happy and you're joyful and you're and you're surrounded by people you love, that is a great way to live your life. Let's get that right. By the way, it's also nice to have nice things. It's also nice not to have to worry about money to live in a nice home. But but our society has said no. There, that's what we should aspire for. And when you have that, we will call you successful. So why are the you know, why are our rock stars, why are our celebrities, people make fortunes, snorting cocaine, suicide? If it's so great to be that wealthy, why are so many of them miserable people? Because uh, it's not happiness. It's like, by the way, I love success and I love wealth, do not get me wrong, but it's not the source of my happiness. It's not the source of my happiness. It's, um, it's just not. Yeah, that's great, Paul. I think that's a great concluding point for our episode here we got because we've got a lot more step we got four more steps to go through on overcoming burnout i knew yeah. we were gonna we weren't sure when we started this conversation on, so, on yeah so we got to step one which is awareness yeah and, and, and we have five steps and, and let's see how long it takes them to get each of them but but as we said at the outset we want to get into each of these in such depth that when people leave the podcast that they have a sense of them and we i hope we will do that with each of these and we'll see we'll see where we go with each of them each of the steps and then we will 
wrap it all up and we pull them all together, pull them all together for people. But I don't want the I could list the five steps. I don't want people to list the five steps. I want people to get a sense. I want something to resonate with people. I want them to have a little aha moment to go, oh, I see. yeah, that, I know what they mean. I know what they mean by that. Because if they have that, that can change your life. That can just turn you one degree to the left and know where you end up in five years' time and 20 years' time is a different planet. It just takes a little moment of awareness. But the education without that awareness, I think, is lost. And I think that's certainly what we're trying to achieve. So, yeah, I think we probably have come to a natural conclusion. I love it. I love it. That little seed. If we can just plant those little seeds right in yeah. their minds, hopefully that can yeah. grow into a beautiful I'm garden. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> awesome. Well, Paul, listen, so we've we've got four more steps to cover. I'm not even yep. going to I'm not even going to tease out. Actually, I'll tease out. The next one is going to be decompressed, but I'm not going to talk about the remainder of those steps. Well, and I think beginning to think about decompression after kind of the heaviness of the emotions, the awareness that we talked about. I know it's going to be important because it, it ties all together here. So I'm excited about it. I appreciate your thoughts, your perspective, yes. your wisdom, Paul. And to our audience, we appreciate your ears, eyes, your presence, you. awareness, all that stuff is very critical in a world driven by information. So it's, yes. it's very much appreciated. So with that being said, we'll catch you all next time. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Inner Entrepreneur. If you found value in our content, please consider liking, sharing, and subscribing. New episodes will be released every Thursday at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We appreciate your attention and take care.